Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad Podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the Fatherhood Authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us another Sunday morning for a new episode of I Am Dad Podcast. Hope you had a great week. Um, and I hope all is well with you and your families. And so, as we always do, I just want to thank you for all of the support that we get from you each and every week. Um, for for all of you that's been listening to me, uh, really talk to you about um, the importance of subscribing and following um, the podcast because it opens up our algorithms. It allows us to be seen and heard by more people, and it it, it impacts our rankings, right? And so I keep telling you guys that some weeks ago. Um, I got an email from Feedspot, which is one of the um, uh, platforms that monitor the engagement of blogs and and particularly podcasts around the world, um, about 2 million of them to be exact. And I got an email about a month now ago where um, they sent me the category of dads. And so they monitor about 1,800 um, fatherhood related, dad related podcasts around the world. And I am that podcast ranks at number seven. And so I am really, really excited about that and really trying to um, stay up with that game because seven's not good enough for me. I want to be at five. I want to be at three. I want to be at two and I want to be at one. The cool thing about this particular um, platform is that it doesn't just rank the um, podcast by subscribers and followers, right? And so it looks at several different categories. It looks at um, quality, it looks at consistency, it looks at content, it looks at engagement, it looks at, and I always forget the other, it does look at, it does look at followers and subscribers, but it's looking at a more fuller um level of content out of the podcast and i think that's why we've probably risen so high because of the quality of guests that we have and the information that we're getting out and the engagement as a result of that but i'm still not satisfied at number seven we need to get to number one now that i've got that out the way i get to what i love to do most which is talk to people who are in the same space that i'm doing doing incredible things um, elevating this conversation of responsible fatherhood, fatherhood, marriage, relationships, um, parenting, you name it, and anything associated with that. This gentleman and our guest today had me on his podcast some time ago, and I tell you, I had such a great time talking to him. I love his spirit. I love uh, what it is he's trying to accomplish, and I'm sure um, that you're going to enjoy him today, and he's also an author just like myself. He is Mr. Tommy Maloney. Um, he is the executive producer and the host of the podcast, Blending the Family, where you can find his podcast on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, he has spoken on TEDx. Um, he is also a keynote speaker all over the place. Um, he's been at every dad convention. He has won all kinds of speaking awards, including his involvement with Toastmasters International. I tried to do that. You and I got to talk about that. I tried that some years ago, stepped out. I probably need to step back in. But he is also an author um, of 25 Tips for Divorced Dads, uh, Why Not You, Why Not Me, and My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m., which I'm so curious about the uh, 5.04 a.m. I'm sure we're going to talk about that today. Um, he's written for magazines. He contributed to writers, to other books as a writer, um, The Expert's Guide to Teenagers and Father-Daughter Conversation. Um, he enjoys a glass of red blend um, wine, right, which is always good, or hiding from the family. Um, he is a dad to Betsy, um, Becca, Connor, 
and dogs duke r.i.p rest in peace and otis i have one of those myself and he's a husband to Anne, where he lives in the great state of colorado how you doing tommy kenneth i am super stoked uh as always to get to talk to other dads and like you said I had such a great time with you on my podcast. I am super excited that the tables get to turn and I get to just step back and just relax. <laughs> right. And just occasionally go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the great thing about this. And I like to turn it, I like to turn the tables on people. I think just about every person who's interviewed me on my podcast I've had them or plan to have them on mine and it's always a cool thing to kind of reverse those roles and I get exactly what you're saying it's so cool to kind of just sit back and just respond to questions that don't have to think and produce and move your hands and you know turn your mic down to cough and sneeze and you know almost choke because you want a glass of water but you don't want that on the camera all that stuff guys that we do <laughs> trying to put together these podcasts Listen, this is how we start most of our all, not all, most, all of our podcasts. And we start our podcast by asking the question, not even a, it's a question, it's something I want you to do. And that is tell us your daddy story. You could tell us from the vantage point of your relationship with your dad, or you can tell it as a result of you being a dad, or what most people do is they do both. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it from the point of you know my space, uh, blending the family, blended families. And so um, when my wife and I, Anne, um, first got together, uh, we made it uh, a, a rule that the kids would always come first. And so the first thing we did, Kenneth, was we dated for a while, probably two, maybe three months before we even introduced the kids. So uh, my wife has two daughters. I have a son. So my wife has uh, the oldest, which is Betsy, and then Becca, and then my son, Connor. And so we wanted to make sure that, again, the kids came first and that um, we didn't stress them out. And so what we did is when we finally decided to get the, all the kids together was to find a neutral location. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is Kenneth, that we didn't want to go sit at a restaurant, you know, and, and force the kids to have conversation because that would not be organic. That would again, be too much pressure and stress. So we went to, it was winter time. We went to an outdoor ice rink and we just had fun. We just let the kids be kids, uh, let them skate. And if if worst case scenario, the kids didn't get along, Kenneth. Um, and 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 some people think this is my my wife and I. Well, she's now my wife, but uh, 11, 11 years later, um, she and I had this pact that if the kids didn't get along, uh, we weren't going to continue dating because again, we wanted the kids first. Uh, and no matter how you want to call your higher power, spirit, God, source, uh, big dude, little uh, big lady, whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. they were looking down on us and uh, the, the kids got along great. Um, and so, like I said, 11 years later, uh, we're still happily married. The kids, uh, Betsy's off and married. Uh, Becca is uh, headed to nursing school. And at the time of this recording, I just had breakfast with my son yesterday because he's headed to um, Detroit, outside Detroit, to go to school. So uh, as a blended family, Kenneth, I mean, I, I can't stress that enough that, that the kids the kids have to come first. So that's that's my dad's story for you. Yeah, you know, I'm glad we're walking down this trail because I didn't hadn't even thought about the whole conversation around blending families, which now I'm gonna have to bring you back again so we can talk specifically about that. But I want to spend some time um, on it because I know people struggle um, in that process that you just discussed. That is the origin, or not the origin, but the beginnings of the things that you have to set forth before you can even move forward. And those things that somewhat, as you describe it, for me, in my relationship with my current wife, for us, they were deal breakers, right? So when you say all the kids had to get along, that's, that's what you describe as a deal breaker. That is, if this doesn't work, we don't work. But it was interesting that how you described that, because one of the things that 
Tracy and I talked about when we first started dating and coming and getting more serious with each other because I had already had a daughter. She had already had a daughter. And then we had parents of those children who were also mm -hmm. in the space, right? <clears throat> and we went a step further than you went, than you went, which is if any of those relationships didn't work, we didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just um, the relationships of the siblings getting along but it was the relationship between me and her daughter. It was the relationship between her and my daughter. It was the relationship between her and the mother of my daughter and me and the father of her daughter. If any of those relationships didn't work, we could not work because those are the things that literally tear relationships apart. When you think about that time, did you ever feel like that particular thing, those things that you set as somewhat deal breakers, do you think that those were things that you would call sacrifices? I don't want to call them sacrifices because, you know, as a parent, you know, you want to do what's right for your kids as best for your kids. And, you know, to, to bring it, you know, with my dad, you know, my parents divorced when I was five and, uh, my uh, son and his his mom, we divorced when around when he was five. And one of the things that I, I had to finally have a conversation with my dad about was he always felt that he was a bad dad because of the mistakes he made. And, and I tell him that we made those mistakes because we thought we were doing the right thing. Um. You know, I, I had to take that out of my head too, Kenneth. I had to stop saying uh, that I was a bad dad because, again, I, I did things that I thought were beneficial for my son. So one quick example was in 2008, I officially became divorced. And that first Christmas, I was a wreck. I mean, depression, I mean, the whole gamut. And so I had to go to a safe place and I went and spent time in South Carolina with my mom and bonus dad. And when I say bonus dad, I have to always explain that in our household, we don't say step because mm -hmm. there's, there's that connotation step being so negative and we wanted to create a positive environment in our household. So we always use the word bonus. Again, I went and spent time with them because I really was not in the right space. I am very blessed to have a former wife that is a, a really good mother. Her and I, we, we even to this day, we don't get along, and that's fine. Not not everybody's going to get along. My wife and my former spouse, they're very cordial. So back in the day when my son was playing club hockey, um, they would talk, and they 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 built a little bit of a relationship. And so to, to your point, Kenneth, I, I, I can see the benefits. I really do that the, the whole parenting, the whole, all the parents uh, need to, you know, be supportive, but I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that school where, you know, not, not every parent is going to get along with their former spouse's spouse, mm -hmm. so to speak. And, you know, I think a lot of people, too, don't take into account, take into account that one of the elements that you really have to have when you're trying to formulate a successful blended family is maturity, right? How much maturity do you think an individual has to have in order to, to successfully do that? I think it's really key. Um, you know, going back to your point about all the parents involved, you know, that's the one thing that uh, traditional parents really don't see. They don't see, you know, the stresses, you know, I'm I'm dealing with my former spouse. My wife is dealing with her former spouse. And when it comes to maturity, uh, yeah, I, I kid because it, it's, it's still taking me a long time to mature, and especially after, you know, a, a divorce. My wife, oh, my gosh. Uh, I I watched her grow after her divorce. I watched her mature. I watched her be be 
the, the person that she has always wanted to be, but unfortunately she was in a, in, in a bad marriage. Uh, when I say maturity, she was able to have in-person conversations with her former spouse. I, I even to this day, I, I can't have those conversations. So maybe I'm still working on my, my maturity, Kenneth, but it, as, uh, as, as a partner to my wife, it was so, so rewarding getting to see her, you know, elevate her maturity. So I agree. You, you, it, it's a different world when it comes to being in a blended family. It really, it really is. Yeah. I want to lean a little bit into your um, book, 25 tips for divorced dads, you know, why not you, you know, why not me? And I think that a lot of people kind of, never believe it's going to happen to them. And then mm -hmm. one day it happens to them. Like when it happened to you, um, what was the strength that you had to pull on in order to at least get you to maintain your level of sanity as you went through it? A lot of crying. I, I will admit it. Um, uh, when, when my former spouse and I were, um, towards the tail end of our marriage, we're seeing a counselor, a marriage counselor, who I thought was a, a brilliant uh, lady. And so after the, the divorce and probably during the divorce, I kept going back to that counselor because uh, I didn't want to go rehash um, what I was already going through with a different uh, counselor. And so um uh, like like I was saying, I I had to leave um, to go spend time with with my mom because I was I I was a mess and it, it took me many many years to finally get through it and I, I always remember a quote from uh, the great Zig Ziglar where he talked about if you're feeling down, try and set a time limit of being down. Well, I really wish I had taken that advice to heart because it, like I said, Kenneth, it took me a long time to really not just process it, but just try to alleviate as much anger um, that I was going through towards my former spouse. And so uh, again, having, you know, finding a, a, such a great partner with my wife and really, really helped me and she she has like a a, a a really cool sixth sense and she can feel or tell when I'm when I'm feeling down and I, I think that's probably one of the biggest keys uh especially for men to admit that they're down that they're uh okay to say to a, another man hey can we just talk can we just you know, talk and, and have somebody listen, because we get to the point where that we, we feel that if we go to therapy, or we're, we're, we're saying to another male that I'm feeling down, that that's a weakness, but it's not, it's such a strength. And so luckily, I kind of, luckily for me, I've been in therapy um, since I was 15, 14, um, due to depression. And suicide, and so uh, I felt very comfortable, you know, uh, being in counseling. Uh, matter of fact, when uh, my wife Ann and I, uh, before we got married, we went to marriage counseling to make sure that uh, we were not rinse and repeating the same marriage we just got out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that you said, and I'm so glad you said, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about this because I think it's a another important aspect of you know, breaking up and, and, and divorce, and that is seeking good counsel. Right. And so you talked about, you know, going to your mom and your bonus dad, and then also getting counseling too often, you know, we allow ourselves to seek counsel from people who just tell us what we want to hear to make mm -hmm. us feel good. Right. And that's not always the best thing for us, but what was it in you that made you Think about the counsel you were seeking and not listening to people who were just trying to make you feel good. I don't know who said it. Somebody said that um, if 
if you start talking about you know how crazy your life is to other people that all are already crazy it's mm -hmm. not going to get you anywhere and so um I, I think it was a little bit to use your word uh, during our conversation a, a little bit of maturity to realize sure i can go to my friends but chances are they're probably just going to say you know it's a good thing you you you're divorced she's crazy you know it's, you know blah 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 but it's not seeking my purpose of trying to get through it and you know for me I, again i'm i've been uh, comfortable with professional counseling um yeah there are times where you want to sit with with the guys and you know, like you're talking in the intro, you know, I like my red wine, but, you know, still just sitting with the guys and just talking. Um, a few years ago, I was in Toronto for work and I was taking uh, a, an Uber driver and he was telling me for the, the hotel he was taking me to. He goes, oh, I'm familiar with that hotel. I said, oh, tell me more. He goes, once a quarter, he and his friends, his male friends, check in and they just have a guy's uh, powwow so to speak um and they just sit and they talk about their feelings and i said hold on hold on <laughs> this guy was in his probably late 20s and i said let me get this straight you and your friends check into a hotel and and they purposely leave their cell phones at home and they talk about their feelings he goes yeah it's great and I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, it is truly amazing that he has those friends, that has that safe space. But again, sometimes your friends might not be the best when it comes to counseling. So that's why I'm a big proponent of, um, you know, even if you go to counseling, make sure it's a good fit too. Because the first counselor my former wife and I went to, it was not a good fit. So, the, you know, you can fire counselors as well. Absolutely. Was writing the book therapeutic for you? It was interesting. Uh, it was very interesting. I'm sorry, this book? That book? Um, oh, the uh, 25 Tips <laughs> for Divorced Dads. Oh, that first book. Yeah, that was a lot of fun because um, at the time, so at the time, I travel a lot for uh, the dreaded day job. And when I wrote that first book, 25 Tips for Divorced Dads, it was um, on the on the tail end of just going through the divorce. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was traveling from Denver to uh, LaGuardia Airport every Sunday. And I would just write things down. How can I stay connected uh, with my son, Connor? How do I stay in his life when I'm not physically there? And so some of the things like um, write postcards. Um, this is back in the day before uh, laptops had the, uh, the, the cameras already built in. So one of the things I recommended was get a camera so you can still see your kids on a, you know, a daily uh, basis or a weekly basis. Um, stay connected with their teachers. Um, those were just some of the things that um, I was doing, but I wanted other dads to understand that even though you're not in that household anymore, you still need to stay connected. And that's where uh, the 25 tips for divorced dads uh, came in. Okay. So let's fast forward to the second, which I think is the second book, right? <clears throat> you know, your newest book, My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m., you gotta tell me about this title and where this title came from. No, no. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I've had people say no. I'm like, all right, next question. You, you know, I, I could be a real jerk and I don't want to be because I, I, I love you, Kenneth. I love, you know, everything I see on LinkedIn with what you're doing. Uh, I could just say, no, buy the book and find out. No, I'm uh, not going to be that way. So uh, my dad's advice at 5.04 a.m. represents uh, at 5.04 a.m. Uh, when my son was born. So as you know, when when 
you know, your, your kids are born, you got to start calling the family and let them know, hey, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. So when uh, Connor was born, uh, I first called my uh, my former mother-in-law, let her know, then called my mom. Um, my former wife, uh, her father uh, was tragically killed uh, when she was very young. So um, that's why I only had to call uh, her mom. And then when I called my dad, uh, a little bit of backstory. I, my dad has a very, very dry sense of humor. Um, he's... He, we, we joke, he lives in Chicago, and we joke uh, along um, one of the longest stretches in downtown Chicago is Michigan Avenue. And we kid that he's the mayor of Michigan Avenue because you you can't go 10 feet without my dad uh, running into somebody he knows because he worked in sales for many, many uh, years and advertising. So uh, my dad has a very unique sense of humor. And so when I called him, uh, you know, it's been a long night, Kenneth. You know, you've been up, um, even though you're not the one that's delivered the baby um, or had the baby, uh, you're a little bit tired. So I, I, I had not a lot of energy and not a lot of patience. And so I said to my dad, I go, hey, congratulations, congratulations. Um, we have a boy, his name is Connor, um, and uh, you're a grandfather. And he's like, well, let me ask you a question. Do you know what your responsibility and role right is, right now as a dad? And I'm just like thinking, Kenneth, I just want to go to bed. Wow. That's all I want to do, you know? And I said, um, you know, Dad, um, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, just to love him as best I can. And there's this dramatic pause. And he goes, no, screw him up as best you can, just like I did with you. And I'm like, okay, love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And so I took that information, that that advice, but I reversed engineered it. And one of the things that I, I learned from my dad was he chaperoned a couple of uh, field trips when I was a kid, especially when we were in downtown Chicago. So like I said, Kenneth, I, I took that advice, turned it around and tried to make it a, a best fit that I could, and especially you know, after a divorce, you really have to start thinking about your place, your role as a dad, still raising your kids, again, when you're not in that household. So uh, my dad's advice is to screw up your kids as best you can, but it, probably in a playful type way. And I'm sure your dad has many other pieces of advice. But now that you're in this space and you're a blended family, you have your own son, you have all of these like life experiences, like when you are, um, and I'm sure you're like me in many ways in your own personal spaces, everybody knows what you do. So anybody and everybody who wants some dad advice, it's like, oh, let's ask Tommy. He knows he's like, you know, those kinds of things happen. Like when you're talking to dads today, particularly young dads, what is it that you believe they're missing that we didn't miss? Uh, taking your time for granted um that that was a life changing uh, for me and I, I i cannot stress that enough because like i said kenneth i thought i had the rest of my life with my former spouse that you know as much as we bickered <laughs> um mm -hmm. that we were going to stay together and I didn't have to worry about, you know, coming off the road and my son wanting to go do something and me being the jerk going, no, well, let's do it later. Let's do it later. Well, later's gone. Mm -hmm. uh, time is currency that you don't get back. And so what I say to young dads is uh, don't take your time for granted because you just never know. Um, not, not to get, you know, down a, a, a bad, ugly, um, story, but, you know, with my son, when he was 15, 
playing hockey, one of his teammates uh, died tragically. And that life lesson really not only reflected to what I say to other dads, but to our kids as well. And so don't take your time for granted because again, you're not going to get that time back. You know, one of the things that I, you know, struggle with is, you know, we were, you mentioned this earlier about um, your dad always believing that he was a bad dad. And I think that many of us, particularly those of us who are in this space, who's talking about fatherhood and family all the time, um, we can almost make ourselves feel like we got to be perfect, right? And mm -hmm. so it's been an awful lot of time overanalyzing every conversation I have with my child, every conversation I have with my wife, with the mothers of my children, you know, how I function and act, you know, in public and online. I'm always thinking about you cannot make a misstep, you know, because you, as soon as you make that misstep, people are not going to believe that you can actually do what you, you know, espouse to do. Um, in your space and in your work, given, you know, your conversations, given the podcast and given your life lessons and, and history, do you still, to a small degree, um, gauge yourself, you know, with respect to how you believe you're being as a, how you're being seen as a father by your children? You know, that's a great question because I used to have that thought in my mind, you know, what is my legacy? Am I being the best version of myself to my kids? And it, it goes back to, you know, trying to have people like you and you can't control what other people do and think. An example is I have my relationship with the two girls is is different night and day from from the two. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I did struggle um, because I, I always felt that I was giving 100 percent to I mean, not just to the two girls, but, you know, to my son. And I finally came to a point where. I'm not going to I'm not going to win one of them over and that relationship is going to be what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't it's not that I don't care what people think of me um you know it, you know you and I are are very similar because we're authors, speakers, podcasters, you know um I I was, again to use Zig Ziglar he he talked about you know, uh, when he gives a motivational speech, he's not there to motivate you. That's that's onto you. That's your responsibility if you're going to take that uh, advice or not. And so along those lines, Kenneth, when when I finally realized that I'm not going to have the same relationship with one daughter versus the other, that that it goes back to me. And it is. It is something that I, I treasure is my relationship with, with the two girls. But I understand that it, it's not going to be what I want it to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my biggest fears, and it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I literally just had this exchange of, dialogue with my 14 year old son this morning and um I just you know I went into this whole thing about how uh, you know I'm, I'm really trying to tell you some things that you don't know I'm trying to steer you in the right direction so that you can take advantage of opportunities in life and I'm really to a certain extent you know sacrificing a lot of myself and a lot of you know, what I'm trying to do for the family, for you, so that you don't have it so hard, you know, when you get older. And then I kind of shifted into the space where I start saying, you know, because I know what this looks like. I know what this is going to look. And one of my biggest fears, Tom, is the speech. And here's what I mean by the speech. This is with all my kids. 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, they're going to be asked to come speak somewhere, whether it's at the church function, in their own profession, connected to their profession, whatever it is. And they're going to have this moment where they're going to talk about their father, right? And I cringe what that narrative is going to be. And a lot of where I cringe about that narrative is to your point where you say, I just have, I have just said to myself, I'm going to let this relationship be what it be, be what it's going to be. But their perspective of that is you gave up on me. And that's what my conversation was with him this morning, that 20 years down the line, when I stop doing all I'm doing because of your non-response, 10 years from now, you're going to stand up in front of somebody and you're going to tell people about all the things you don't have because of what I did not do for you. And you're not going to remember the things I did for you. And that's a struggle for me. So as you're talking about that, and I'm thinking about the two girls, but I'm more thinking about um, Colin now, what's the most difficult conversation you've had with him about your relationship? Wow. Um, most difficult. So before he started driving, um, he, he and I would have, um, long, about an, an hour from our house to either back to his mom's house or from our house to a hockey game or a hockey practice where, where he was uh, playing. So one day, and I, I wish I could remember where I heard this kind of, but somebody said, you know, ask your kids, how are you doing, you know, as a parent with them? And so he was probably around 15. And I said to him, I go, how am I doing as a dad? I mean, am I doing, am I supporting you as best I can? What, how do you feel that I'm doing as a dad? And he looked at me, hold on. <laughs> so he looked at me and he just said, we're okay. And that's, that's all I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. and we can't control our legacy Kenneth we can't control you know what our kids are are going to say and you it is hard especially as a man because you know as a man you know you're in the work world and you know you come in every day and you're you're killing it and everybody sees what you're doing and you don't know what they're thinking you don't know, you know, what they say outside the office, and that's okay. And it's still okay, Kenneth. What, whatever your relationship with your kids, um, like I said yesterday, Connor and I were having breakfast, and I just sat there. I just wanted to be in the moment. Um, uh, we didn't talk about life uh, as much as I want to talk to him about, you know, him again going back to school. Um, you know, there are things I just want to say to him, but you know what? I just wanted to listen. I just wanted to, you know, see him. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard, you know, during the summer because he works two jobs. He lives an hour away from us. Uh, I travel. Um, so having those moments with our kids, it, it's special. Yeah. And Again, we don't want to take that time for granted. And so whatever, whatever, you know, down the road, Kenneth, you're, you're, any of your kids are on the platform, mm -hmm. they're on the stage and whatever comes out of their mouth comes out of their mouth. Wow. And yeah, you, you want them to say, oh my gosh, my dad, Kenneth was the best. He was the bomb.com, you know, he would, he had this podcast, you know, and he, he was 
trying in his own world to change the world. Or they could just say, yeah, he was a good guy. He was okay. He was he okay. okay. He yeah. did okay. Wow. Um, let's talk about the podcast a little bit because, you know, as you said, both of our, both of us are podcasters. You know, I love this space. I love doing what this podcast does for me and my own heart. Um, how is it fulfilling what it is you're trying to do in life? How is the podcast fulfilling that? So I'm laughing because at, again, at the time it's recording, um, back in January of this year, I, went through a uh, podcast cohort and I really wanted to up my, my podcasting game, learning from other so-called experts. And if this, if you're listening to this, the audio, yes, I'm doing the air quotes right now. <laughs> experts, gurus, whatever. And unfortunately I listened to them and I said, my podcast because i i feel that it's it's a wonderful space talking about and and we don't or we i don't just talk about blended families i talk about men's mental health uh we've talked about uh what is a good wine on the first date um so things that uh, i enjoy talking about well going through this this cohort I was learning I had the wrong microphone. I was using the wrong uh, software, uh, this and that. And so I, I, I felt depleted. I felt that I, I can't do this. So I said, things have started to change. So one of the things that have changed is more people have started to reach out to me, wanting to talk to me. And I'm like, you know what? Let's bring the podcast back. So uh, the podcast is coming back. Um, I do miss it. I truly miss it, Kenneth. I miss having conversations uh, just like you and I are having. You know, again, this is why I respect you so much as a podcaster, because we're very similar. We don't send questions out because we have this agenda and we have to talk about this point and this. Let's just have a conversation. Let's just like we're sitting here having coffee or or an adult beverage. And so um, it does fulfill me. It does, um, like we we're talking before we started rolling, um, it does put you on a, a, a high. You know, mm -hmm. after having, you know, a, a wonderful conversation with somebody and you get to have, you know, uh, learning opportunities with somebody else and you start thinking, going, oh, they, they brought their A-game. They brought something to share with the audience. And so, I, I'm like I said, Kenneth, I miss doing the podcast. Uh, I've already recorded some new episodes. Um, I had episodes ready to go that are going to be uh, launched uh, the, the month of September in Australia. That's when they celebrate Father's Day. So I'm excited about, you know, talking to uh, somebody from Australia, and we're going to talk about Father's Day, we're going to talk about um, his life as a single dad. So it energizes me too, Kenneth, I, 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 I miss it. And so I'm super excited about, let's say, Blending the Family podcast 2.0 is coming out or, <laughs> or so. Yeah, Man, that sounds good. I am, you know, I just, you know, the conversations you know that you know i get these you know as much as i guess you know people get information and heal from listening um i get the same level of things from the people you know that um i interview and from this interview i'll take away um you know don't worry so much about the speech you know the speech is going to be what the speech is um, they made to your point get up and shower me with all kinds of um, loving anecdotes and stories and things that will make people cry and laugh, you know, or they'll just get up there and say he was okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that away, you know, from this, but I want to share with you like two things that I heard in the last few days and all of the podcasts that I've done that stuck with me as well, you know, that I'm trying to process. And um, one of the things is, um, a 
think it was, can't remember which one said it since I talked to so many people, so I won't tie it to anybody. I'll just say what I heard. And he says, we should spend more time looking through the mirror as all at, we should spend more time looking through the mirror and not through our lenses. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And we were like talking, he said it and he kept on going. I was like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got back up on that one. I was like, that was, I got to and I just wrote it down. I was like, that's, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but that is something that, you know, becomes part of the dialogue. And then I was talking to another good friend of mine who was talking about, you know, their father who was struggling that they just came back together on after 51 years. Um, his father finally gave him the apology, you know, that he's been looking for after coming to hear him perform in one of his shows and sent him a long text afterwards. Um, and he shared the text with me the other day and I'm reading this text and there's this line in the middle as he's apologizing to his son. Um, but he puts this line in there and it was, and then he goes on to keep talking about him. And the line was troubled, trouble followed me because love didn't carry me. Mm. And he was kind of talking about what he, what his son didn't know about his life. Right. And he was given some explanation as to why he was the way he was. Um, and it was just such a touch. I was just like, and that's why I keep doing these things because I keep getting these motivating, like little, just small nuggets of inspiration um, that says, keep doing this um, because you and I, there's more people who listen to us and don't say anything mm -hmm. than those who listen to us and follow, subscribe, engage, ask questions, email. And so you just never, never know whose life you're touching and you and who whose life you're saving at a critical moment whether it is listening to the podcast live the first time it hits or listening to it three months down the line, just because they came up, they came across it. And there is this, um, <laughs> there is this podcast um, that's called blending the family. And someone is having a tough time trying to figure out how to navigate that space. And so, yes, I encourage you make sure you bring that thing back um, and don't let it go um, because somebody out there, as someone always says to me, when it comes to being a servant, um, there is somebody out there who's waiting for you to show up. You know, I, and I, I appreciate that, Kenneth. I really do. And those were two fantastic stories. And one of the things I, I, I just want to touch once again is, you know, you as, as a dad, you know, you're setting an example for a lot of us dads. And there are times where we're, we're being watched by our kids. And because we're, we, we try to be role models, even when we're not trying to be a role model. Prime example is my bonus dad, Dan. Um, I learned so much from him. And I feel this is why our, our family became successful is because I got to see a, a role model um, without him trying to be that role model. And one example was when he came into my life, you know, he did not, you know, lay down the law. He didn't come in, say, this is my way or the highway. He got to learn who I was. He got to know me. And so that was one of the biggest things that I took away when I uh, was first dating my wife and, you know, incorporating the girls is that let me just learn from them. And so, you know, at the time uh, the girls were in gymnastics and I don't know if you've ever been to a gymnastics meet, Kenneth, it's an all day event. Yes. <laughs> all day. All I'm, I'm going to say all day, all day. <laughs> all day. And so, even though 
I, I wrote this this piece a while back on, on the blog talking about being that invisible parent because as as a bonus parent, a lot of times you are that invisible parent. And it's a role that it's not easy to accept. But again, I go back to, you know, my bonus dad, and that is he he was a role model without him even realizing he was being a role model. Same thing with you, Kenneth. You are a role model to your kids. And regardless, again, whatever they say, it, they're going to say it. So, you know, the, 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 those two examples, again, you know, even though the, the last one that the dad wasn't really in, in that person's life, you know, what kind of impact um, that text has made to him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll just end it this way with, you know, this international speaker told me once, don't be a secret. Let others know, like you're saying, about being in service, your servitude. And so wow. I have to remind myself every once in a while, stop being a secret. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm writing that one down too. My friend, um, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, where they can find the podcast and how they can purchase the books. Everything, just go to blendingthefamily.com, blendingthefamily.com. Sure, uh, the latest book, My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m. is on Amazon, um, but you can also purchase it uh, directly on the website. Um, podcast information is there, my speaking, writing, me, yes. blendingthefamily.com. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm doing an infomercial, blendingthefamily.com. I, as the young folks say, just Google me. You'll yeah, find me. You just go. Google me. Yeah. I mean, thanks so much. And thank you to all of my I Am That podcast listeners. I appreciate you. Um, and as always, continue to just, if you're looking at the screen, touch that subscribe button. If you're listening, hit that follow button. And you know how I like to leave you. Always be kind to others as you're kind to yourself, or you might find yourself by yourself. Always shoot high for your goals, because even if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. And as my good friend and mentor used to say to me, it's nice to be important, but you know what? It's much more important to be nice. Until next Sunday, I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, and peace out. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.